welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. And, and actually getting quite emotional, <laughs> hearing all those dear members, essay members, fellow members, brothers and sisters all over the world. Um recovering together with me. Um, many people who came to the program before me and just you know, kept it alive so that I was able to enjoy it. Anyway, um, I would like to introduce myself um, to say what I, called, uh, what I call my sobriety declaration. <laughs> I always uh, introduce myself and I say, my name is Vernet, and I'm a gratefully recovering sexaholic. I'm addicted to fantasies, um, erotic fiction, and masturbation. And uh, the emphasis is on fantasies. I think um, this is the um, well, the hardest aspect of my addiction and which is hardest to avoid, to control. Um, and it's been bothering me since I can remember myself. Um, you should know that I'm over 50 years old, and during my years of acting out, which was many years, decades, I never did anything that on the outside seemed abnormal. But the main thing that bothered me was inside my head, like a washing machine going whirring all the time. And it was mainly fantasies. Um, actually, also, the fantasies are what brought me to recovery because I kind of reached a bottom that I couldn't, I just couldn't survive it anymore. Um, I can say it controlled me since early childhood. I was a kid with a very rich imagination. My father taught me to read when I was two years old, and I read anything I could put my hands on. And a lot of it was things that were not meant for my age, naturally. So um, this plus my very rich imagination. I can remember myself, I think I was a toddler, maybe two years or three years old, uh, making up uh, romantic stories, uh, dreaming about princes and princesses, nurses taking care of princes and of course I had no idea what sex was I just liked this romantic uh, atmosphere in my head um, I also started masturbating quite young I mean very young I think I was maybe four years old that was normal for a kid my age I think once my mom caught me and she let me know, she let me understand this is something dirty, something you just don't do. And I just moved to do it in hiding. And I learned this is something you're not supposed to do. So I guess this is something I learned to escape to when I couldn't cope. Um, so I left through fantasies, I think, all through my teenage years, teenage years um, 
and with masturbation every once in a while. It bothered me, but um, I was quite sure when I get married, it will be okay. I won't need it anymore. Um, and that didn't happen. Um, I was very disappointed, but I just needed to go on using those sick patterns and the fantasies in my head. I was not aware of them all the time. Only when I sat down to seriously write my step one, then I realized that for decades I was lusting after men in my um, surrounding area. It was the same story over and over, and I had zero awareness of that. Um, like there was a guy that I lusted after, maybe in the office, maybe a neighbor, maybe even a very young boy in the neighborhood or something, whatever. Or it could be a character from a book or very rarely maybe a movie or something. I, I didn't have a TV or anything like that. Um, and when I got hooked, I got attached to this person or character. Um, I just couldn't stop lusting inside my head. Um, and feed it over and over again till this man moved away, got fired from the office or whatever. And then after a while, I met another man and this, this pattern continued for many years. Um, at some point, um, what I want to say is, um, I had a, a feeling, a funny feeling that I'm not living my life. I'm like, I felt like I'm walking on the side of the path of life, not on the path of life, but I wasn't really aware of what's happening to me. Um, I was not connected to reality. At one point, um, we started having trouble with a young girl's daughter. She had a crisis, a serious crisis, and she was a child at risk. Um, she was a teenager, a young teenager, and she was on the streets. Me and my husband, we went all over to look for her. Um, it was something we couldn't, we couldn't hide. Um, she didn't want to go to high school and it was a terrible situation. Um, around that time I, I came across, uh, erotic fiction on the internet and got hooked immediately. I started, I started, um, spending hours every day on the computer at work. At home, I don't have internet, so it wasn't really interesting. But um, I tried to take care of that also. I printed tons of stories and brought them and started putting them in closets and everywhere around the house. Um, and I also managed Back then was this to bring home some stories and see on the computer. Um, it, anyway, what I wanted to say was um, it started to be more obvious to me. And my daughter's condition got better, actually. Really, it was miraculous that she recovered. And then my husband was diagnosed with cancer. Again, it was a very traumatic time. And I remember uh, walking with him to the hospital, staying with him in the hospital. It took two years till he also recovered. And all that time, I had those erotic stories in my handbag, in my pocketbook, or I 
escaped to them in the office. Um, I during a typical day of eight or nine hours, I worked maybe two hours. Most of the time, I spent on the on that section, and um, the fantasies. I used to make out of those stories, you know, um, well, spend time thinking about it and connecting one story to the other, making up new ends and new beginnings. And it was my real life. I, that was the characters I spent my life with. And um, it was, I think, the hardest thing to recover from because I had long periods of time when I could avoid masturbation and even avoid the internet. But to what to do with all those crazy thoughts in my mind, that was a big problem. Um, thinking back now that um, for over eight years and four months, I have never, I, I haven't fantasized. I haven't had such a um, long, you know, not just a passing thought, but to stay in it and start making up a whole new story, you know, more than maybe a few seconds. I think it's, it's a great miracle. I would never believe it's possible. Um, I used to think I'm going to die this way and my grandchildren, maybe my great-grandchildren are going to find those closets full of stories and the, um, maybe the computer. Um, I, I just didn't see any way I can stop this, this crazy pattern. Um, so as I said, it brought me to, to the bottom in the sense that um, I felt terrible. This acting out and those fantasies about men in my, in my vicinity um, was completely against my values, against my religious values, my moral values, against um, everything I believed in. And I actually lived a double life. You know, this is what was going on in my head. Around me it was a whole different story. Marrying off kids. I was having grandchildren and working and having friends. Everything was, you know, not deep, very shallow, but it seemed normal. And it was, I was starting to feel like it says in the white book, the internal tearing, like I couldn't take it anymore. I felt I'm tearing in two. And especially I felt I'm making my higher power sad. And I felt guilt and shame and fear. Um, I think at least two times I tried to stop on my own. Eventually, I understood because of that thing out on the internet, this is something crazy that needs to be stopped. I tried twice to stop by myself, and I was able to not masturbate for a long month, maybe half a year. I deleted all the links that I collected painstakingly for long years. <laughs> I had at least 6,000 very good stories that I loved and were available to me. I, you know, dumped all those papers and it didn't last. It didn't last because I didn't know what I was doing and I had no tools. Um, so the third time around, uh, I felt this great contradiction with my religion and... Um, I felt I can't go through it again, the high holy days. Um, my sobriety date, actually, is Yom Kippur, is the Day of Atonement, um, the holiest day in Judaism. Uh, a day of Atonement, but I felt so terrible. 
I couldn't stop fantasizing, and it made me made me feel made me feel terrible. And so, for a few years, I managed to stop fantasizing for the few weeks till the high holidays were over, the holiday season was over. But it made me crazier with the years passing, and I think the third or fourth time around, I just felt I'm going to do anything and try anything that will prove uh, helpful. So that's how I got to SA, um, looking for a solution. But um, I completely surrendered the fantasies. This I can say that um, I was ready to give them away, give, give them over, and um, maybe that's why it worked. me um i am i think very fortunate here in israel we have two women only women's only meetings two live meetings one in the tel aviv area and one in jerusalem i travel to jerusalem by public transportation it's not so easy for me but um i knew that i needed two meetings a week So I am fortunate to be able to sit in a room with other female members twice a week, which is amazing. And we have uh, very, very deep friendships in, in our groups, deep relationships. And I just, it took me a while, you know, I, um, my child, my group of people, Israel are ultra-Orthodox, and um, for me to open a email address was something new, and I was afraid, and it took me time. I did it slowly. I started on a phone meeting. I found recovery on the internet, and I went on a phone meeting in a women's forum, and... Uh, Gradually, I got the courage to speak up and then get a sponsor and go to to the first essay meeting. All this process took me a few months, but I was already dry i was I was you know sober a few months by then um, so I was thinking maybe I'll try to say to tell you what I did with those fantasies. So um was very hard in the beginning i I spoke to my sponsor every day um, and we tried to work out solutions um like I remember I used to go to synagogue regularly. My son was one of the cantors, and I couldn't stop those fantasies. It was very hard so She suggested I should just try another seat, move to a different place. It was hard for me. I was very used to sit in one place, but I did it. I changed, and it helped, really helped. And another example, my young, youngest son's friend, he was by then maybe 13 years old. He reminded me of one of the characters in the stories, and I just avoided that boy. Um, I tried you know tried to avoid dangerous situations or people um, and I learned to do it gently. I also learned this from my therapist and On the program, and what I do is I really try when I have a, a troublesome thought or a fantasy coming or a memory of the things I try to avoid uh, of course I try to avoid to avoid situations but when something like this comes to mind, I really try to do it very gently to Welcome the thought, tell it thank you, 
maybe you've been helpful to me once, helped me survive, but now I don't need you anymore. Please move aside for Five a while. And thank you so much. Um, and just please let me, and, and just try to replace it with a better thought, with a healthier thought. I, if something happens and uh, I see a banner or something bothersome in, on the internet, I work, I still work in the same office eight or nine hours a day and my internet is not filtered. Um, thank goodness, really. I know it's, it's not to be taken for granted. So if there's something that bothers me, I take an act of surrender. Maybe get off, maybe leave the room, maybe go to another site, call a friend and what they, most of the time what they do is I communicate with my higher power. I don't even have to speak. I talk to him in my mind, in my thoughts. And it really works. Um, I really deepened my relationship with the higher power. And I learned to listen to what he tells me. He talks to me through reality. And also through other people, you know, even through a, a sticker on a passing car, I can see what he tells me. Um, I learned to make time for prayer and meditation. And um, I, I can tell you that even my relationship with the, my religion is deepening and is becoming healthier. I, I'm not so full of fear. I try to do things um, in a relaxed way. And I would like to mention also that I'm rebuilding relationships in my life in an amazing way. Like I can tell you recently, my older daughter moved to live right next to me, which is amazing to me because when she was, when she grew up, I didn't even notice her. And through step nine, we made some amazing progress. And my younger daughter, the one I told you about, we used to have only daggers between us. It was, it was a terrible situation. And she, she used to hurt me so much. Um, and now she comes just to, to spend time with me. She comes and she has two kids now. She is happily married which is also unbelievable. She comes just to sit in the living room next to me and spend time with me, which is, to me, hard to imagine. I would never imagine, really, the higher power does for me what I couldn't do for myself and what I couldn't dream about. So I don't want to take too much coming. I don't know if my time is lost. Let me see. You have a couple of minutes, if you'd like. <laughs> I would only like to mention that my relationship with my husband, and especially, I mean, my husband and I are, are good friends, but I still have hope that the intimacy between us will become healthier, in which the fact that I have hope, I think, <laughs> is also a miracle. And um, I'm learning to see him really to... Um, to make presence in my life, to be present in his life. Um, and I would also like to say that for me personally, um, I do service with men and occasionally I go to a mixed meeting. I try to go to conventions, which are mixed occasions. But um, uh, I recover around women and I find it um, very helpful um, that's it I think <laughs> for the time being thank you so much for all the service you're doing and um, for, for listening to me Hi everybody and hi Ronette um, you are very dear sister to me I'm so grateful to have you in my life 
Thank you so much for sharing. I can so relate to leaving a double life. Oh my gosh. And I can also relate to not even being aware, not even being aware that this fantasy and other world in my head, um, now that I am aware, it still takes me longer than I would like to recognize. And you mentioned being very, very gentle with yourself. I love that. But I'm interested in hearing more about the transition between you when you weren't even aware and you could say, you know, I'm glad you're here. And yet, yeah, you helped me for a while, but I don't need you now. So that's what I kind of, how do, how do I learn progressively to recognize these thoughts? Thank you. Thank you so much, Nancy. I'm ever grateful to you for your <laughs> our patience with me. And I know during COVID, I don't call in regularly and uh, you never complain and you're always so loving and um, really you care so much, um, which is amazing. It's an amazing gift. Um, thank you for your question. Um, so, in this therapy helps me, I must say. I also read um, some literature, uh, you know, new age uh, literature about uh, this stuff. And I try to exercise even, exercise it with my therapist. And I'm sure you could just, you know, ask for it. Um, Another thing is, I think, I learn also to direct my prayers in, to this point and try to ask my higher power to learn to be more gentle with myself and not to, you know, if, if I try to counter a thought that's bothering me um, aggressively, it will just slap me harder in my face. This is now, I mean, it's a natural. So, um, I know I, I need to learn this technique. Um, not to let this, this thing spiral out of control, but try to breathe deeply and try to take it easy. And it's a process. It's a process. But uh, I can see it, it can work for me. Thank you. Thank you, Ronetta, and I can see it works for you, too. Thank you. And next we have Christina. Hi, Ronet. Christina here. Um, thank you very much. Today is the day where I can say you told my story because uh, the fantasies were the thing why I come into touch with the first another S um, program and I'm very happy that I'm nearly free of them now but I have a question <clears throat> for me it is like uh, all these fantasies I ever had were now in a a closed box in me they are not gone because sometimes something happened and uh, it happens that th these boxes uh, go uh, open and then I have to surrender 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 that they go uh, close again and my question is because I have a sponsee with this problem now did you ever told each fantasy you had explicitly or not? Because I didn't do that. And sometimes I think, should I do this? Is it better or not? Thanks. Thank you, Christina. Um, thank you for your question. I can relate to what you say, of course. Um, I didn't have such an experience of having to spell out 
explicitly my fantasies, but I was able to say it shortly and to the point, you know, um, the kind of sex fantasies I used to have in my mind. And if necessary, then yes, I said a few words. Um, I especially try to say what I don't want to say. What I feel is bothering me is like, you know, in my stomach, this I put straight on the table. I can I can give you an example. Really, it's embarrassing. Um, the <laughs> the porn fiction that I loved and thrived on was porn about Harry Potter's books, which was actually you know children's books. But the fan fiction, the fandom, the the huge amount of stories on the internet was crazy. So. I found it very embarrassing to admit, and that was what I took care to say, not to leave it in the dark. Other things that didn't bother me, I let them be. And the fact that it's closed in a box, well, I don't know. I, even this image can be, I can replace during therapy or meditation. I can imagine other scenarios, you know, like this box disappears and the memories or the fantasies are a part of me that I learn to accept and love. And they help me. I don't want to shut the door on them. They still help me help others in similar situations and understand other people's suffering. You see, so, um, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Uh, next up, we have Luke. Thank you for your service, Dan. Um, Ronette, uh, thank you so much for your story and for hearing another person in another culture with another form of acting, of main forms of acting out and still sharing the same underlying attitudes and patterns that I have. And one that I want to ask a question about is you said that <clears throat> when you were younger, you felt like you were walking um, on the sideline of life or something like that, and that you were not in touch with reality. And I can recognize that. And to be honest, I, I it's still in me. Yeah, I, I'm still somewhere. There it is, I can't. Thank you so much, Ahmed. I'm still going from one side to the other. So my question is, how is that for you today? Thank you. Well, thank you, Luke. Um, I've met you and uh, it's really <laughs> uh, exciting for me to hear you. Um, thank you for your question. Um, well, it was not easy to stop fantasizing. It felt like this. It was very painful. I can tell you, I lost both my parents at a young age, and it felt this, about the same thing. It was a huge loss. And to go on the path of life, living life, was uh, a challenge. I kept telling myself, the, there must be real life somewhere. People went through it and survived, and they are now happy, you know, like, like it says in our literature, in essay literature. And it kept me going and trying. Um, it took a while, it took a few months till I started feeling better. And it comes, it came very gradually. I started enjoying things. In the beginning, I couldn't enjoy anything. Swimming in a pool, going on trips without those characters from the porn fiction, Nothing had any taste. It was like eating sand. And very gradually, I started noticing colors, flowers, children, my family. They are, they are here. And I started having emotions, which, of course, they were always there, but I was disconnected. Um, so it was a long process. Um, 
I don't have this experience that you describe of, um, you know, crossing lines again and again. Um, hope, I, I hope that um, it, it's interesting to hear. Um, I, I, look, I, I surrendered those highs that I used to have. Like this, this kind of um, in pleasure, I don't have now. It was crazy pleasure. It was not healthy. That's why it was so pleasurable. But I have real life experiences. I can, you know, hold the grandchild and just be present at the moment. And so I'm not present at the mo in the moment all the time. But I'm not working on the sidelines of life anymore um, for for many years. Um, th this is how I feel anyway. Thank you so much for your question. Thank you, Renette. Thanks, Renette. Um, we have Hope and then Lee. And then after that, if folks with fewer than 30 days of sobriety would like to raise their virtual hand and get in line or anyone else, uh, feel free to do so. So Hope, you're up next. Sorry, I thought I missed the um, thing. I, I thought you'd already said less than people less than things. 30 days sobriety, so you can do it. Hope, hope you're very difficult to understand. Perhaps you're too close to the speaker. I'm not sure. Oh, <laughs> she says uh, technical issues. So we'll move on to Lee and hopefully Hope can get back, back up. Thank you so much is a great share. What I have that uh, really parallels your experiences. I have this rich imagination which progressed over my life until it poisoned my brain and consumed it. And uh, getting some relief from that is tough because my mind is so busy all the time. Uh, I have tried to redirect it into um, imagining spiritual places and things as part of a meditation. Uh, slowing my mind to meditate is uh, mindfully is tough. So uh, I, I wonder how your experience of meditation is and what do you do? Oh, so hello, thank you for your question. You must say I was very uh, careful with meditation. I read someplace in the literature that um, step work is like dominoes and it's not advisable to meditate before before I work them. I don't know, um, some people work them in workshops and they did it very quickly. My experience was slow, very thorough work and the steps took me years and um, as long as I felt I'm making progress, I was, I was fine. So step 11 and meditation, I only started in recent years. Um, and I was gratefully sober for many years before I started meditation. Praying is a different story. I pray since I'm, uh, you know, since I'm maybe five years old so that this is a part of my life but of course it changed with recovery to become more healthy and and sane um i can tell you um i think what helped me more than trying to to meditate what helped me in the beginning was real thorough step work. And a while later, I also started a therapy. And together, this is what helped me. 
Um, this is my experience with uh, the 11th. Thank you. I appreciate your experience. Thank you. Uh, let's see. I don't have any virtual hands up now. We still have more time for sharing if you would simply like to jump in. And maybe Hope, I'm not sure if you're back up. Nope, I guess not. Well, I'll jump in with a question <laughs> and a comment. I very much appreciate your share. And, <clears throat> uh, you know, uh, as was mentioned in a, in, a, in a previous share, it is really interesting how you can listen to a share and go, well, I didn't do any of that. I didn't do that. I didn't do That's not my story. But underneath it all, just like the title of your talk, Fantasy and Lust, that sums up my issues too, even though my, you know, the facts of my story are a little bit different, the underlying issue is exactly the same. And to me, at least in my case, I think I was just looking for the real connection in all the wrong places. And uh, now I'm learning how to find a real connection, as you mentioned with a grandchild, for example, trying to find the real connection in, in, in real life as it is. And I guess my question to you, I'd like you to, if you could expand a little bit more on how, as you got uh, your sobriety progressed, how that affected your husband. And uh, you did mention your daughters, but um, is your husband in a program of any kind as well? Or have you, is, have you done therapy together? Those kinds of things always interest me since I'm married. Thank you. Yes, thank you very much. Thank you for your question. Um, so as I said, the progress with <laughs> my husband and, and, the, and the relationship with my husband is the last one to recover. And I still need a lot of patience um, because my, I know now that my own behavior has been so sick and... Um, I know that I made him suffer a lot. I remember there was one old timer who came to Israel and I myself organized a meeting uh, of the female SA members back then. It was not too many with that man. And I asked him a question. I don't remember what it was, but his reaction was, I feel so sorry for your husband. He's such a poor fellow, miserable, and I couldn't see it. It took me years to realize, and it still does. You know, things that um, funny behaviors and crazy behaviors, things crazy things I did with my kids, um, go you know show up. Um, they talk about them every once in a while. Things that I re I don't remember they even happened. Anyway, about my husband, um, first of all, gratefully, he lets me be, be an SA member, go to meetings, go to conventions. Um, he once came with me to an open meeting, an SA meeting that's open to whoever wants to come in Jerusalem, where I gave a personal talk. I made a mistake and I didn't prepare him. He was he was in shock to hear me tell my own story out of before all those people, and he was also offended. And since then, he asked me to not talk before me. It makes him feel terrible. Okay, so I stopped giving talks before in mixed meetings, even though I used to do it before. Now the fact that I'm talking that I'm on is. It's a good sign, you know, that he, he accepted it. He, he agreed. But I'm learning with my sponsor, guide, my sponsor's guidance, to be more considerate, to see him, you know, that he is present in my life. He is a person and 
I want to be close to him. We went through great hardships together and still it's hard for me to reach him intimately to be a real part of his life in, in the deepest sense, you know. Um, now that our kids are not home anymore, we have time to spend together in the evenings mainly, and we try to do it. He does not want to go to therapy or to SNN, but they still have hope. You know, here, um, some conventions are very welcoming for the spouses, um, and they're a very nice experience. And I try to tell them, I don't, you know, I don't know. I mention it. I still have hope, maybe someday. But um, he has his own way of dealing with life. He also grew from the traumas and the, the hard experience, experiences he, used, he had. And um, look, I, to get um, positive feedback and the words that I see you are recovering, I feel our relationship is much better. I see that now you are much better or much normal person. Uh, much more normal person. This I don't get to hear from him. But um, I think something is better. <laughs> Some days it's better. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, thank you. Thank you, Renette. That was that was quite valuable. I appreciate that. Uh, Federico, and we might have one time for one more share after Federico. Thank you, uh, Daniel, and thank you for your share. And um, I really related. I really related a lot to to everything you said about um, about fantasy and, and the stories. You know, that was one of the first times I was caught in my late teens was when I wrote a story, uh, and I was caught by my parents. Um, I only, you know, the only thing I learned at that time, of course, was that I needed to be more secretive uh, with my material. Uh, so. Yeah, so I really related to that as well, and also to the subtle nature of fantasy, because um, as a married sexaholic as well, one of the things that I've noticed is that um, I, I share it myself with other sexaholics, but others share it with me too. Like, we seem to come up with the same fantasy temptations. One of the classic ones is, oh, wouldn't it be awful if my wife were to die? And I need to surrender that thought immediately as soon as it happens, because the next thought is, who would replace her? And then the romantic sexual fantasy starts. So it's subtle, it's toxic, and I need to treat it like any lust temptation. Thank you. Ronette, did you want to comment or? Yes, thank you so much. Yeah, I can relate to what you said. Um, of course, it helps me to come to meetings. There's uh, especially one meeting in Jerusalem, a mixed meeting, I go to uh, occasionally, they work on questions from one of Roy Kay's uh, books that are not essay literature, but um, the secretary of that meeting translates them into Hebrew, and they deal very deeply exactly with this concept of uh, fantasies and... Um, even about <laughs> what what can happen to the spouse, a very very um, deep and uh, detailed questions. So to sit in a room with uh, twenty other men and listen to their sharings, uh, very true and emotional sharings, uh, helps me greatly. I'm I'm really really grateful for essay. Thank you, Runette. And Steve L., your virtual hand is up. Thanks, Daniel. Thanks, Runette. Um, I was meant to be here today because um, yesterday morning, after three weeks of, well, two days ago, after three weeks of sobriety, I acted out two nights ago. And then yesterday morning, I was trying to get back on sobriety. And I, I in a mad moment, I bought 10 erotic books on eBay. And I was I was thinking in my mad, crazy mind that I could go from pornography to start into erotic fiction. And I love reading. And I thought, oh, just, just abandon essay and a, a 
dive into erotic fiction. So I'm so glad that um, I came to my senses yesterday and went to a meeting instead. Um, and I'm just so grateful to hear your show because I nearly went down that path myself. And I don't know where Thirty seconds. So I'm just really grateful that I arrested that God arrested it for me. I got to a meeting and the um, the brothers there helped me, and I got a sponsor, a new sponsor, and um, I just I can't wait for another day sobriety. So thank you very much. Thank you so much. Do I have time to to say something? Sure, go ahead. Oh, thank you. Um, it's really it's really so amazing to be able to identify with other members' sharings like you like you do. Um, thank you very much for what you said. I I remember a very emotional moment. I had the merit to participate in the um, essay convention for women in Washington DC. It took place before COVID, maybe three or four years ago. And uh I came uh <laughs> that I was the only member uh, from Israel that came. And um, I remember one moment there was a lady sharing about crazy, weird thoughts she had when she went on the bus and she was thinking things about the driver. And she said, who can ever have such crazy thoughts about the bus driver when going on a bus and spontaneously all the women in the room raised their hands. You know, we are all actually made of the same stuff. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.